0: morning church (laughs) let me talk just a few minutes about water about water think about all the ways that water is needed for example Households use a lot of water. We need water for drinking, water for cleaning, water for gardening, lawn care. A lot of y'all been working outside in flower beds and, and fertilizing your yards, and we need water to make that grow. I grew up in western Oklahoma, so farmers needed water, water from God, water from the rain, water from irrigation. Think of the things we do for fun in the water regarding recreation when it comes to swimming or boating or fishing or skiing. And then there's the sanitation and and the wastewater treatment. You know it takes water to clean water, and so um, we have water treatment plants. There's electricity. You can use water to make and generate electricity. Factories need water. Factories need water to cool and clean machinery and to make food and paper and clothing. Plants need water to grow. Animals need water to live. Nearly 78% of The earth's surface is covered in water. Wow. Then you think back to the Old Testament, we read about the great flood when God flooded the earth. 100% of the earth was covered in water. And then there are humans. Humans need water. An average adult has about 50 to 65% water. A man's body has 60 to 65. A woman's body has 50 to 60%. An infant has 70%. Think of all the things in your body... That that consist of water. Your brain is 75 percent water. Your blood 83 percent. Your heart 79 percent. Your bones 22 percent. Your muscles 75 percent. Your liver 85 percent. Your kidneys 83 percent. Your skin, your lungs, your joints, your connective tissue. We need water. A person can live without food for perhaps weeks, but water's a different story. Without water. You could die in three or four days. We're in a study called Last Words, and we're looking at the final words of Jesus on the cross. We're leading up to Easter Sunday, to Resurrection Sunday, to Good Friday, and we're looking at the seven statements. We're taking one a week that Jesus made on the cross. Seven statements, 55 words. When He was hanging on the cross, in the midst of His pain, He would pull Himself up, and He would make another statement. The first statement was to the crowd. He said, "'Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing.'" That statement teaches us that we need to be forgiving people. We need to forgive those who sin against us, who hurt us, who wrong us, who abuse us. We need to be forgiving people, and we need to forgive ourselves as well. And then there's the second statement that was made to the criminal. He said, "'I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise.'" And we talked about grace. That statement teaches us that we need to extend grace to everyone we encounter. We need to extend grace even to those who wrong us. We need to extend grace to those who don't know Jesus. The third statement he made to his mother, he said, Woman, behold your son, and to the disciple, behold your mother. And we talked about how family is important, that caring for our families is important. And that brings into play the first two statements, because sometimes with families and relationships, we need to extend forgiveness, and we need to extend grace. Today we'll look at the fourth statement. It's a statement about water. Here's what we read. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I thirst... A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it. They put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When He had received the drink, Jesus spoke again. Jesus needed water. It only makes sense that Jesus needed water. It only makes sense that Jesus would thirst. Any person on the cross would develop a thirst. Any person not on the cross... "...has a thirst." So, go back several hours and think about what Jesus has been through before He got to the cross. Think of the lack of sleep. Think of the beatings. Think of no food or drink, probably for hours, many hours. And then they nail Him to the cross. And then they hang Him on the cross. It's no wonder He's thirsty. Again, anyone would be thirsty. We were created with a thirst... We were created with a need for water. And crucifixion itself was enough to cry out in thirst. Imagine the energy drain, the perspiration, the pain, the bleeding that would produce rapid dehydration. It's kind of interesting, don't you think? Almost ironic that Jesus began His public ministry by spending 40 days in the desert... 40 days fasting and not eating, 40 days hungry, and he ends his public ministry thirsty. His hunger was in the desert. His thirst was on the cross. Why would Jesus ask for a drink? You might be thinking, why would you even ask that question? Why would he ask for a drink? I mean, it's obvious he had a thirst. But why does God need to ask for? For a drink. God created water. God could bring water from a rock. God the Father could have sent rain to soothe God the Son. Or perhaps it's a statement He was about to make. If you keep reading in John, the statement that we'll look at in a couple of weeks, as the setting of the cross is about to come to an end, as the work of God on the cross is almost over, Jesus is about to say, It is finished. And to make that statement, He had a thirst. In order to speak, when you consider all the factors of the cross, when you consider the dehydration and the pain and the sweating, when you consider the difficulty of Him pulling Himself up, just to draw another breath, just to make another statement, no doubt His lips are parched, no doubt His throat is dry. And to make another statement, Jesus is obviously thirsty. And the statement that he's about to make, it is finished. The one we'll look at in a couple of weeks is not a statement that needs to be whispered. It's a statement that needs to be clear. It's a statement that needs to be shouted. It's a statement that Jesus needs to make so that everybody knows it is finished. And to do that, Jesus needs help. Jesus is thirsty Maybe you've never noticed before, but two drinks were offered to Jesus on this day. The first one He refused, the second one He requested. We read in Matthew, as they were going out to Golgotha, they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But after tasting it, He refused to drink it. This is before the crucifixion. This is on the way to the crucifixion. Wine mixed with gall. This mixture was like a narcotic, this mixture was made to numb the pain and numb the senses and to dull the pain. I want you to note that Jesus was not going to dull the pain. Jesus was not going to soothe the agony. Jesus will experience the cross with no medication. Jesus will experience every aspect of, of the cross. But now six hours later. As he's hanging on the cross. In the sweat. And writhing in pain. He's chapped. He's got a parched throat. He pulls himself up. And he says. I'm thirsty. And this time they bring him. A common wine of the day. A common wine mixed with water. Maybe even the common wine. That the soldiers at the foot of the cross. Were consuming. As they watched Jesus die they are consuming this same wine nothing about this second drink would dull the pain in fact some authors say everything about this drink would make him even more aware even more aware of the cross the pain of the cross but again jesus needs to speak jesus had to speak so i want to notice a few words i want to slow down and i want us to notice a few words Later, your translation may say, after some time. Later, after the pain of the cross. Later, after hanging there for hours. Later, after listening to the taunts and the jeering. Later, after watching them gamble for His clothes. Later, after He has prayed for forgiveness and saved a criminal. Later, after some time... At that point, does Jesus speak and make a request for Himself later? Notice this word. Knowing that all was now completed. I think John uses a word to illustrate that Jesus is God. That Jesus is divine. Knowing that all was now completed. Knowing that Scripture would be fulfilled. Knowing what the Scripture said in the first place. Knowing that a prophecy is yet to be fulfilled. Knowing he was still in control. Almost as if to say, there's still one left. Still one more prophecy. A man might not know that. And if a man did, he wouldn't be in control of the situation. But because Jesus is God, because Jesus is divine... Jesus knew Scripture and He knew prophecy and He knew the plan and He knew the purpose and He knew the mission and He knew the Word of God must come true, knowing, to illustrate that Jesus is God, received, to illustrate that Jesus in His humanity makes a request. Jesus was human. This is not His divinity asking for a drink. This is His humanity Jesus has been through 12 hours of beatings and trials. He's been through the torture, and He's going through the crucifixion. And He has suffered in silence. He hasn't moaned. He hasn't complained. And notice again when He makes this request. Only after He's met the needs of others. Fourth word. They put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop. I love that John records this. I love that Scripture records this word. I love that we can slow down and isolate one word. Why is this word important? Because this word would take any Jew back to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12 is when the Passover was instituted. You might remember the Passover. The children of Israel are about to leave Egypt. They're about to leave slavery. There's one more plague. There's the death of the firstborn, the firstborn of all humans, the firstborn of cattle, and the angel of death is about to pass over the people. And if you wanted the angel of death to pass over you, here's the instructions. Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb and take a bunch of hyssop. Dip it into the blood in the basin and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. Not one of you shall go out the door of this house until morning when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians. He will see the blood on the top and sides of the door frame and he will pass over that doorway and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance. If your house is covered in blood, The death angel would pass over. And what God told them to use was hyssop. Hyssop. They would put several branches of hyssop together and they used the hyssop to put the blood on the door frames. And the very mention of hyssop here would take any Jew back to the Passover. Back to the saving blood of the Passover lamb. The blood of the Passover lamb saved the people, and the blood of our Passover lamb, Jesus, saves the people. John uses this word to teach us that Jesus is our Passover lamb. And if we obey the instructions like the Israelites did, then we will, if we're washed in the blood, we will be saved. God will pass over, and we will not have to face judgment in a negative way. John's the one who introduced Jesus in John 1, and he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And here John's giving us one more picture on the cross when he mentions hyssop. He wants to remind them and remind us that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Why did Jesus make this statement, I thirst? Maybe to show His humanity? Maybe to let us know he endured every aspect of the cross. Maybe to wet his lips to make that final statement, it is finished. We know it was to fulfill scripture. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. For a variety of reasons, for obvious reasons, Jesus said, I thirst. So, what can we learn from this statement? I thirst. First, I want us to remember that Jesus knows. Jesus knows. Sometimes we sing this song. My Jesus knows when I am lonely. He knows each pain. He sees each tear. He understands each lonely heartache. He understands because he cares. My Jesus knows just what I need. Oh, yes, he knows just what i need he satisfies and every need supplies yes he knows just what i need jesus came as a man jesus experienced life as a man he experienced the full effect of the cross as a man and going through all of that pain he knows just what we're going through jesus knows We read in Hebrews 2.17, Jesus had to be made like his brothers in every way. We read in Hebrews 4, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Physically, Jesus felt everything on the cross. The pain, the bleeding, the dehydration, the sweating, the muscle spasms, and the thirst. Jesus felt everything. Everything physically on the cross. Emotionally, he felt everything that day. The pain in his heart. He was lonely. He was betrayed. He was denied by his best friend. He was forsaken by his disciples. He was surrounded by his enemies. And because of that day, he knows. He knows what you are going through. Jesus knows because he became a man and he died on the cross. And he experienced the full extent of the cross. Second, I want us to remember that Jesus cares. Jesus knows and Jesus cares. Here's what Peter says, To this you were called, Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. When they hurled their insults at Him, He did not retaliate. When He suffered, He made no threats. Instead, He entrusted Himself to Him who judges justly. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds, you have been healed. On that horrible Friday that we call Good Friday, Jesus chose. Jesus chose to go through all of that for us. Why? so that no one can ever say he don't care my dad died he don't care my spouse left me he don't care i have cancer he don't care i lost my job he don't care jesus chose to go through all jesus chose to go through all of this and experience all of this so that no one can ever say that our god doesn't care jesus cares Peter goes on to say, cast all our anxiety on Him because He cares for you. Jesus knows and Jesus cares. Third, I want us to remember that Jesus satisfies. Remember back in John when Jesus encountered a woman at the well? Jesus was tired from His journey and the disciples had gone into town to find food. And Jesus encounters this woman and He talks to her about living water. Here's what the psalmist says. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. God created us with a thirst. We were created with a need for water. We were created with a thirst. A thirst that we try to satisfy with things in this world, with possessions, with people, with money. All of that leaves us thirstier than when we started. You know what we all need? We all need water. We were created with a need for water. Not the water we drink, but from our scripture reading this morning. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Listen, folks, this world will not quench It will not quench. It will not satisfy. This world cannot save. This world will leave you thirsty. So if you want to quench your thirst, there's only one way. It's through Jesus. At the cross, Jesus was thirsty. And because of the cross, we can quench our thirst. Think about it. Jesus needed water that day so that he could shout. It's finished and you need water today to start a new life because the bible says if anyone is in christ he's a new creation the old has gone the new has come you know how you get that new beginning you know how you get that new start we were all created with a need for water The Bible calls it baptism. Therefore, we were buried with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. Jesus was thirsty on the cross so that we never have to be thirsty again. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, can I encourage you to do that today? If you've never gone into this liquid grave that we call baptism, that Scripture calls baptism. Can I encourage you to do that? Because Jesus went through what He did so that when we go through this liquid grave, we'll never be thirsty again for the things of this world. And I encourage you to give your life to Jesus as we stand and sing.